0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this candidate forum for the 63rd State House District. I am Fran Eckenrode, co-president of the League of Women Voters of the Kalamazoo area. Our moderator is Gordon Evans, WMUK FM Director of Content. I will be keeping time for the candidates to ensure that the formal parts of this forum are kept to the time allotted. I will hold up cards that indicate how much time is left for each speaker. I'm sorry, for each candidate to speak and the cards will look like this. And when time is up, we'll have a stop sign. Also with us is A.J. Howard, who will indicate the order in which candidates will speak. Thank you, A.J. The sponsors for this forum include El Concilio, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Kalamazoo Alumni, Kalamazoo County Advocates for Senior Issues, National Association of Black Law Enforcement Executives, West Michigan Chapter, Public Media Network, Western Michigan University's Department of Political Science, WMU We Vote and WMUK. We would like to thank all the sponsors for promoting this forum for online viewing. This is an important service to our community. The League of Women Voters is a nonpartisan political organization that encourages the informed and active participation of citizens in government and influences public policy through education and advocacy. Established in 1920, 100 years ago, the League of Women Voters does not support or oppose any political party or individual candidate for public office. The League does support issues after careful study without regard to the stand of any political party. It is our privilege to provide voters with information to help them cast an informed vote. The League does this by publishing voter guides online at vote411.org and in print form and by sponsoring public forums like this one. Please note that recordings of this forum may not be used without the express written approval of the League. The League will only allow audio video of this event to be shared in its entirety, except by the media reporting on this event. To make this forum an informative event that conforms to League principles of fairness, each candidate has agreed to adhere to our ground rules. I will now hand over the forum to our moderator, Gordon Evans.
1: Candidates for the 63rd State House District are Matt Hall, Luke Howell, John LaPietra, Raphael Wolf, and Ron Hawkins. Matt Hall declined to participate in this forum. By agreement of the candidates, we'll be addressing each other by first names. And we'll start with the first candidate alphabetically by first
2: name. John LaPietra, you have 60 seconds for an opening statement. Thank you, Gordon. Thanks also to the League for for setting this up with Public Media Network, and thanks to the sponsors as well. My name is John Anthony LaPietra. I'm the Green Party's candidate for state representative in the 53rd District. I've worked for 10 years in government and 10 in the private sector, so I know the difference. And I know that a government agency that is run for the people can be as businesslike and efficient as any corporation. I also have 10 years of work experience with nonprofits and now 12 in my fourth career by now as an attorney. As a lawyer, I know how to read having problems here now. No. To, uh, to read, write and translate legislation, to translate laws into plain English. I've fought in court for the people and for people individually. Hello, uh,
3: luke howell, you have one
1: minute for your opening statement
3: hello um i'm luke howell i'm the uh democratic candidate for the 63rd district um i live in richland uh one of the things that got me into this race is the uh changes that we're seeing in um, lansing that uh, are, are quite disturbing uh a gravel pit may go in across from my neighborhood and I'm very passionate about uh, the quality of life for my neighborhood, my family and Richland. I've also been very disturbed by the uh, um, recent sort of division that we're seeing in in society. And um, I wanna be part of the change that we can bring to Lansing so that we can uh, bring our parties together and make things about the differences in policy and not people. Um, I was born and raised in. Illinois. I was educated at Iowa State University and the University of South Dakota, and I'm currently a plumber and pipe fitter for um, Local 357 in Danwood Company. Thank you, Raphael Wolf. One minute for your opening statement.
4: Yes, hello, uh, voters. Uh, my name is Raphael Wolf. I'm the Libertarian candidate in the 63rd district. Um, ultimately, what's happening in politics is the two-party system, and it's a winner-take-all system. Uh, to the victor go the spoils, and to everybody else, they get the crumbs or nothing at all. And uh, regardless of who gets elected on the Republican side or the Democratic side, nothing is going to change. I mean, I think we all know this. And so um, I'm looking for uh, opportunity to minimize uh, duopoly power, that's Democrats and Republicans, so that all parties are minority parties, therefore forcing everybody from every now minority party to work with each other. Nobody's going to voluntarily do this. And it's a requirement by the voter to do it for them by voting in third party
1: candidates or independents. Thank you. Thank you. Alan Hawkins, you have 60 seconds for an opening statement.
5: Uh, Thank you for inviting me to this forum. Uh, I'm doing something that's somewhat unusual. I'm running as a writing candidate the reason I'm doing that is the election was so close. It was basically less than 1% of the voters. And I feel a lot of people are disenfranchised. I'm running as a moderate Democrat, a JFK Democrat. I think the current democratic party has gone too far to the socialist side of the spectrum. And they've gone away from a lot of the values that I believe the voters in the 63rd district hold. So I would encourage everybody to go to my website, look at my and I think we lost your audio a, a little bit there. Did it, did it break up? Yeah. Okay. I thank you for allowing me to, to uh, be in this forum.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to our questions again. You will have one minute for uh, each response. Uh, we'll begin with elections. What actions have you taken or will you take to improve voter turnout and confidence in the election process? Let's uh, begin this question with how.
3: Yeah, um, it, that's a tough one. We, um, we're, we're in an age where uh, conspiracy and dissension and um, the extremism has gotten so um, polarizing that people don't trust you know, the, the processes that are in place. Um, I'm a firm believer in in the postal service and I'm a firm believer in voting in person. Um, I think it's that everyone uh, during this election has the opportunity to, um, to cast their vote and I'm encouraging all voters to do so. Of course um, I would really like major, major turnout. Cause I think this is the most important election of our lifetime, but I also believe in, in the foundation of what our government is built on and, 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 and the, the, the organizations that are in place. So I'm encouraging people to, to vote by mail. I, I feel that's awesome. I, um, I don't think that um, having a, a result on the after-election is the most important thing. So,
1: Rafael, Wolf, same question for you on elections.
4: Uh, You know, uh, voting is a voluntary process. I don't think there's any way that I personally would want to compel anybody to vote. And, you know, I don't know what we could do about voter apathy. I think uh, voter apathy is a result of a two party uh, dominant system. And uh, we have elections on a single day Uh, to solve some of those problems. You know, when you go to the secretary of states, for example, you can renew your tabs in an ATM like machine. I don't know why we don't have uh, voting processes. Uh, with, you know, forward thinking that, that voting ATM type machines as a possibility. And so um, again, it's one of these problems in politics that nobody really wants to solve. They like to complain about these issues, but nobody wants to solve them, uh, especially if you're already in office uh, and sort of an incumbent. Um, a lot of these parties just assume they own your vote already and that you're going to vote for them. I have question for you on elections.
5: I think the integrity of the ballot is very important. That's why people are are concerned. Uh, You have the absentee system here in this state. If you have an absentee ballot, my advice is to to fill it out and get it mailed early. Uh, My wife's a postal worker. There were numerous ballots that came in up to a week after after the primary election. And the other thing for those that aren't afraid to go to the polls, go to the polls and vote. It's, it's that simple, turnout's important. I agree with Luke.
2: John Anthony Longietra. again, question for you on elections. Now, there are some basic principles about elections that I hold. They should be countable, recountable, and uncountable. And they should be fair to all, to all voters and to all candidates and parties, and they should be free which also means not for sale. I would advocate for handwritten ballots, hand counted as the gold standard of verifiability. I also note that while I prefer to vote in person myself, I would encourage anybody to vote absentee if they feel any any need, need or reason to do so. And I may be the only one here who has voted on an emergency absentee ballot, because my wife was in the hospital just getting ready to have our daughter on election, on election day 2014. You can, you can ask a special request to your clerk on the day if it's after the normal deadline for applying for a ballot.
1: Thank you. Candidates at any point, if you need me to uh, repeat the question, I'll be happy to do so. We'll move on next to education what policies will you propose to support improved education outcomes for Michigan students and their readiness for employment? And how is the COVID-19 pandemic being considered in your approach? We'll begin this question with Raphael Wolf. Uh,
4: so education outcomes and readiness. I mean, we have a ton of programs already, like, uh, I think it's something uh, that I've heard about uh, KC Ready Fours and, you know, uh, Head Start programs. There's a lot of uh, uh, opportunity out there uh, uh, for education readiness. Uh, Unfortunately, targeting things like education, you know, you have life circumstances and many children who go hungry uh, uh, have education problems. So... It's, it's a really tough question, just because it has a lot of other areas that it touches. Um, uh, you know, funding for education, it comes in from all directions. Uh, 2%, 2% of the sales tax, so 6%, 2% of that. Uh, you know, property taxes, the lottery, federal dollars. And so funding education is, is a big problem too. Um,
1: that's a tough one to answer in one minute. Thank you. Ron Hawkins, same question for you on education.
5: Well, I quite honestly, I think we need to get back to where it's more local control of the school systems. Uh, you need basic education. Uh, we seem to have gotten away, away from some of that. Uh, in today's COVID environment, it's hard to say because people's gone to online. I don't know that it's working that well. Uh, you have the charter schools that they brought into the system. So as Raphael said, it's a very complicated issue because you've got you know, the children getting food this way now. And I remember we used to get meals at school too. So it's, again, we need to look at getting back to the local level rather than state and federal level of running things. That's that's my opinion on education.
1: John Anthony, LaPietra. question for you on education. Oh.
2: First, I would say that I don't accept the the idea that education is only or even necessarily, first of all, to prepare for employment. To me, education is to prepare good citizens and future learners. I think that we need to make sure that all schools are good and all education is good. We need to make sure that Teachers, especially in this current crisis climate are properly funded and and I think perhaps more important to many of them, properly protected. It is much more of an issue than can be handled in one minute. But I do also think that local control has to be balanced against the fact that local funding is not equal. So that's, what, that's where the role of federal and state governments come in to me.
1: Hal, question for you on education.
3: Yeah, that's like these other guys have said, it's um, hard to answer this in just one minute, but um, I'm gonna go over some of the highlights. Um, upper level education, we really need to get back to our manufacturing base and having um, trades and skilled trades and the future farmers of America and. Uh, more integration into job readiness um, preparation, um, but I also agree that you know education is about you know creating better citizens, and uh, that's definitely important. I think what I've seen um, from my experience in education is we need to bring the teachers um, to the table more, um, bigger voices there. We've we've you know since Snyder's ruling and or, or Snyder's era of uh, um, right to work, it's really changed things a little bit and uh we need to make sure our teachers have a strong voice our class sizes our class sizes need to decrease we we all know that you know smaller better class sizes make it easier for the teacher and i think we've seen that with covid um that uh you know as a parent trying to educate my kids it's tough it's really tough and teachers need to be respectful
1: move on to our next question on civil rights. Do you believe there is systemic racism in Michigan institutions? If so, describe what actions you will take to address it, and if not, describe your rationale. We'll begin this one with Ron Hawkins.
5: I think there's systemic prejudice in a lot of respects, but the term racism to me, I don't, I don't buy into that. I don't believe there's systemic racism. I think it's, it's, it's less than that. And having gone through 40 years of the federal government and the EEO training and so forth, I, I think this uh, teaching theory is not a good thing. And that's what we've got. We've got uh, a theory being pushed down everybody's throat now that we're all racist if we're white and white people are bad. And I, I just don't I don't agree with that at all. So
1: that's, that's my answer. John Anthony LaPietro, same question for you on systemic racism.
2: Yes, I believe systemic racism exists here and elsewhere. I think race and perhaps in some taste in some situations, at least more class are matters that we need to address. I would. Be voting for, including gender issues in our state, state anti-discrimination laws, and uh, encouraging them, encouraging courts to treat things as as well. Um, I hope that eventually we can get to the point where we don't need any such rules. But I cannot believe that we are close to that right now, seeing where where we have been. All the things that have been happening, we need more justice in our society. We need to come together to discuss that.
1: Carl, same question for you on civil rights and systemic racism.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there definitely is some uh, systemic racism in our society that we need to recognize. Um, I think it starts with us being able to say, you know, wholeheartedly and passionately that Black lives matter um that's important it doesn't say that you know at some point we can't get to the point where all lives matter but you know right now we are um, seeing the effects of um, some of the systemic racism that that led to some brutal um brutal images that i never thought my children would ever see and but i also think it's kind of important for them to recognize what's going on in our society um I do I'm encouraged by, you know, cities like Kalamazoo that take a proactive approach and, and try and audit themselves. I think that's part of it and, you know, real estate and, and understanding, you know, the, the history, um, it's all part of it. It doesn't have to say, you know, um, white hate or anything like that, but it is, you know, us recognizing that we do have, uh, opportunity to, to advance. Raphael same question for you.
4: Uh, Yes, thank you. Uh, You know, without question, another very complicated question that has many tentacles that touch other other areas of society, as as John indicated, uh, you know, class issues, race issues, bias, and systemic racism. Uh, You don't have to go far back into history to see uh, America's love for racism in systems, and that's what systemic racism is talking about. You know, past legislation uh, passed by uh, federal, local, and state laws that uh, enforced those types of oppression. Um, that's what the Jim Crow South era laws were all about. And, uh, you know, again, this touches on education as well, because a lot of people just deny these facts, uh, almost like uh, some Germans deny the Holocaust. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I wholeheartedly believe, uh, believe that uh, in systemic racism, among many other things, because it's such a complicated issue.
1: Thank you. We'll move on to our next question now on criminal justice. What, if any, actions must the legislature take to improve criminal justice in the state and public confidence in the justice system? John Anthony
2: Pietra, you get this question first. Another two-word answer. Oh, goodness. Well, I've been talking with a lot of people already. I'm hoping to talk to more through my campaign sites about what justice needs to be done and how. Um, I think that we need to re-examine qualified immunity. Perhaps we need to consider that you can only qualify for it if you actually are qualified to know what it means. I would also talk about prosecutorial immunity and other aspects of the justice system as we consider it. Um, Looking at if law enforcement officers of various sorts get special rules and bills of rights for themselves, then they should share those rules and rights with the public they are supposed to be serving and protecting. There are many more aspects to consider. And I invite people to come to my Facebook page and my blog to get to say so.
1: Thank you. Same question for Luke Howell on criminal justice.
3: Yeah, um, one of my big... um, uh, uh aspects or or policies that I really want to work towards is a mental health nine one one that would be comprehensive. It would include um, training of officers it would include incorporating um, our support, social support services. it would include um, bringing in mental health experts um, into that training. Um, we need to understand that you know some of these issues that we're we're having is is because of a real fear um, you know the the, the racial issues. Um, do create a real real fear in inexperienced um, individuals and stops um, we We have you know mental health um, crisis that that's happening with some of these victims that we've seen recently and um when when we're not addressing the mental health aspect and we're just talking about going straight to jail um it's it's creating major problems so Mental health 911 is is one of the things that I, I strongly had advocate for that thank these you. other guys mentioned.
1: Rafael, same question for you on criminal justice.
4: Yes, thank you. It's always uh, difficult to field the first question. Uh, I had time to prepare some notes here while the others were talking. So uh, kudos to everybody that went before me. But uh, we basically have two uh, f- forms of uh, justice in this country, one for the wealthy and one for the poor. You know, There's issues with plea deals, Uh, They try to scare you with tactics of longer uh, jury trial sentences if you're found guilty. That's a problem. 95% of people in prison, I think, are there from plea deals and not actually through a jury of their peers. Uh, Again, mandatory minimums, uh, private prisons, which gives uh, incentive uh, for prisons to make money and uh, the the system to continue locking people up uh, in in droves for minor crimes. uh, A lot of those crimes don't even have a, a victim. They're victimless crimes. Uh, in Michigan, the police, uh, the courts and the prison system is about three and a half billion dollars in our budget. So it's a real budget buster and it it certainly needs those,
1: those types of reforms. Ron Hawkins, same question for you on criminal justice.
5: I believe first thing we do is demilitarize the police. Uh, I don't understand why they need MRI to run around in if they're sheriffs, but that, and the drug laws allow the place to seize your property without you being guilty of anything. That's an area that needs to change. Uh, The people that are incarcerated for very minor crimes, makes no sense for that. It's a, as as you said, the criminal justice system. Uh, One of the things I point out is the probate court, which goes beyond the criminal justice side, but it's criminal. There's a lot of corruption in that. So as far as the legal system in the state of Michigan, Voters start looking at who you're electing. You're electing the prosecutors. You're electing the judges. Know who you elect because you get the government you elect. That's my take on that. Thank
1: you. move on to our next question. And this is on the environment. Do you believe we are facing a climate crisis? If so, what state policies and practices will you support to address it? And if not, explain your rationale. We'll begin with Luke Howell.
3: Absolutely. We're uh, facing a crisis. Um, I don't know why we have uh, kind of lost sight of science. It it, it boggles my mind. Um, you know, locally we've had quite a few environmental issues. Um, releasing of the silt in, in Marl Lake this summer. Um, you know, the the, the gravel pit. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to keep going back to that, but you know, it's a big thing with air quality and, and, and our uh, watershed quality um, that that is affected by it. Um, as far as, you know, green, renewable energy, um, we have a manufacturing base. We have the ability when we see, uh, you know, Joe Biden talking about bringing back these jobs for a green future. Um, we talk about, you know, the green new deal. Now I'm not necessarily a proponent of the entire thing, but, you know, we, we have the potential here in the state to be, um, at the forefront of, uh, of business that is, is making our world a cleaner world.
1: Rafael Wolf,
3: same question on the environment.
4: Yes, uh, thank you. Again, uh, certainly no small um, problem and not something without debate in people's perspectives. Uh, uh, to Luke's point about some people denying science, uh, you know, these alternative facts and alternative perspectives. I'm one that does indeed uh, think we are in a bit of a climate crisis. Um, I, you know, I'm not an expert in the environment and I don't pretend to be, but. Uh, You know, population seems to me like the biggest problem. Um, uh, Humans consume. Uh, What we need to do to consume is produce and create, uh, strip raw materials. We've been doing it. Again, if you look at history, you know, we've uh, made extinct many, many species, like uh, almost making extinct the buffalo. Uh, You know, uh, uh, and human activity on the planet is a fact, Uh, uh, as well as corporate interests, that want to plug you into things like oil consumption and carbon producing uh, fossil fuels to create energy. Uh, they don't want you off the grid, they want you on it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Same question for Ron Hawkins on the environment.
5: I think there's one area of the environment that most people overlook, and that's the danger of nuclear. Uh, whether you realize it or not, there's a thing called a Madrid fault line and if you study where the the nuclear reactors are at if that fault breaks loose which historically it probably will we're in danger of fukushimas all over the place and if you look at the the nuclear Re- regulatory commission they have all their sensors in indiana and ohio basically michigan and the midwest are a dead zone because of the radiation release so yeah, you, know, you can talk about carbon all day long. I I lived in Asia a good while. If you think we're polluted, go to Asia. The other area that we need to worry about in this state is the groundwater. We've got water problems that that uh, we need to clean up, and the chemicals that are used in manufacturing, agricultural, they they can do long term damage to the aquifers. So those are two areas that I I'm concerned about. So I think. Is there a crisis?
1: I don't know. Thank you. John Anthony Lapietra, same question for you on the environment.
2: Yes, there is a crisis. <laughs> I'm a Green and I support the Green New Deal, the original deal. In fact, Howie Hawkins, the first person to run on the Green New Deal in the United States, is our presidential candidate. I'm from Marshall. Marshall knows what happens when we don't pay attention to fossil fuels and how they are mined and moved. Michigan and the Great Lakes State has recognized water to some extent at least as a public trust. We need to protect that public trust and do a better job of it and also protect our air and our soil. Protect our public trust from private greed. We need we need to be to conserve, but we also need to use actually get to using less. Being more efficient usually means we just find more ways to to keep going with what we're doing. Thank you.
1: Let me pause for a moment to remind our viewers that recordings of the forum may not be used without the express written approval of the League of Women Voters. The league will only allow audio or video of this event to be shared in its entirety, except by the media reporting on this event. We will now resume with questions and candidate responses. This one on jobs and the economy. What solutions do you offer to support training for and access to jobs that can close the income or quality gap? And how is the COVID-19 pandemic being considered in your approach? We'll begin with Raphael Wolf.
4: Um, you know, jobs in the economy, uh, could you, could you, could you tell, I was writing it down. You said jobs in the economy and a, a training for jobs. Is that correct? Support training for an access to jobs
1: that can close the income equality gap. Um,
4: this is a very complicated, uh, question because it's talking about income equality and like social justice, uh, I don't think politicians create jobs, uh, not in the state anyway, you know, they can create markets, how people can uh, do commerce in, in markets, uh, back to our education thing earlier. Uh, I think it was John mentioned career academies and, uh, battle Creek has a career Academy. They're graduating students to basically become a widget in a corporate, uh, a corporate rubric. And, uh, they're not uh, training these students to do anything but, uh, uh, but get a job. And so there's plenty of that going around. It's a $50 million initiative by the the, the, the Kellogg foundation. COVID it certainly makes it difficult. Uh, I just heard that a business is closing today on West main, uh, the, the barbecue shop that I really like there. Uh, the name escapes me, but uh, retail and food is, is out the door.
1: Thank you. Ron Hawkins, same question for you on jobs in the economy.
5: One thing I, I find is when the government injects themselves into things, it usually doesn't turn out so well. But as far as training, I did industrial, uh, was in industrial agricultural training the last two years of my high school. I think we need to get back to where you actually allow students to go out and work in the work environment. That doesn't mean you're a widget to some corporate interest. It means it teaches you how to work, how to have job skills, and, and how to live life. And I don't think we have that nowadays. These kids are taught, well, you gotta go to college. And they go to college and what do they do? They get into debt and they're in a, they're in a, a, a debt cycle for years of their life. So I think we need to get back to where we teach people some industrial skills and, and bring back industry to the United States, which has been happening in the last few years. So uh, as far as the state doing things, I, I think sometimes the government needs to leave things alone rather than involve themselves in it. Thank you.
1: Same question for John and Anthony La Pietra on jobs in the economy.
2: Well, I think I would first remind Ron and the rest of us that government has been in the business of creating jobs, particularly when times were hardest. I think jobs programs like that may be called for in these times, particularly. I would also point out that the Green Green New Deal does call for tuition free college and vocational career education. So we do recognize the need to provide paths and training towards jobs in all areas. Although it's hard, I think, for any education now to be training too specifically for the jobs coming up in the future. That's why we also would want to emphasize education for future learning. Thank you. Luke Howell
1: on jobs in the economy, same question for you.
3: Yeah, um, these guys have touched on uh, quite a few things, but I mean, the. The big glaring one for me is we need to raise the minimum wage. Um, I think the pandemic is a a perfect example of our um, inability to really recognize how essential some workers were until we got to the pandemic and realized our grocery store clerks, our fast food clerks, you know, that they are very essential and we've um, taken them for granted and we've neglected them and we do need to raise that wage. At the same time, um, you know, I, I know there's a fear that that might affect the economy in negative ways. I will say this: um, the Millwrights Union, my union, Local 357, the Sheet Metals Union. We're we're looking for workers. We're expanding our our training facilities. Um, we do need to do it in conjunction with the schools but you know, there are opportunities out there and we need to make sure that we're promoting those opportunities and we're, we're returning the manufacturing and we're getting um, things moving in the right direction and s- keeping it steady, but we got to raise the minimum wage. Thank
1: you. On to our next question on housing. What actions should be taken by the Michigan legislature to ensure that all residents have access to safe and
5: affordable housing? In with Ron Hawkins? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm kind of at a loss at that one because it's, it's a very complicated issue. And uh, I do think that the homeless issue should be dealt with. Uh, I don't understand why we can't set up small contained communities for the homeless, get them the care they need, get them the, the mental health care they need, get them back into society. Uh, there's a problem in that with the COVID, the people that own apartments aren't getting paid or uh, rent homes there. So it, it's, it's a multifaceted problem. And again, i I'd, I'd have to really think about that one. We lost the end of your the audio there, but we
1: will. Keep going
2: with this question on housing to John Anthony LaPietra. Yes these days considering how, how we use it in health terms I worry about hearing the word access. Access to housing is one thing you can get into a house if somebody lets you in but will you actually have housing for yourself? Of course there are generally across the country and I believe in the state as well more vacant houses, more vacant unit housing units than there are, and there are homeless people. So that so one way to approach the situation is to actually find ways to get people into houses. Perhaps provide having letting helping them to provide leasehold improvements as in lieu of rent to maintain properties. I think zoning can also help to a certain extent, perhaps with uh, more allowances for small homes. Which IS A TREND HERE AND THERE AS WELL. WE NEED TO WORRY ABOUT SUSTAINABILITY I THINK IS ONE IS ONE FACTOR THAT WOULD BE LOOKING FOR IN OUR PROGRAMS.
1: KYLE, THE SAME QUESTION FOR YOU ON
3: HOUSING. YEAH. Um, I MEAN, LIVING IN SOUTHWEST MICHIGAN, LIVING IN THE Kalamazoo AREA, um, YOU KNOW, the, this, THIS IS ON THE BALLOT RIGHT NOW um, FOR NOVEMBER. THERE'S, YOU KNOW, SOLUTIONS BEING PROVIDED um, by by leaders in our community, um, I've always felt like I've lived in a community that's been um, socially just and, and aware of these problems and are, are trying to find solutions. Whether or not they're going to be perfect solutions, I don't know, but we do need to try. And um, you know, I do encourage everyone to to research more into the, the fair housing um, question on the on the ballot um, for Kalamazoo. Now. Um, Access is, is another word that I, I think is important. Access versus affordability. Um, you know, the, the the fair pay is a big part of it. We need, to, we need to have pay that people can feel like they can actually earn enough income to live in housing and at least save something to start putting it away towards retirement. And that's just not the fact anymore. Too many people are getting kicked out because of their pay. Too many people don't have, you know, the ability to save.
1: Rafael, same question for you on
4: housing. Hey, these are um, amazing questions that you've come up with here. But um, again, housing is another very difficult topic. Luke was kind of getting off into income and what you can pay for. But, um, you know, safe and affordable housing, safe to a homeless person, in their perspective is any shelter, you know, that, that keeps them out of the elements. Uh, there's code issues, as John had um, uh, sort of alluded to with tiny house stuff. I think Kalamazoo recently had to back off on some of their their housing uh, uh, code to allow tiny homes uh, be, to be built. And so those things were put up and now they're gonna to be torn down again. And this is the process of government, uh, uh, making rules to keep things out, tiny homes, because nobody makes money building tiny homes, they make money building big homes. And so there's a, a mixture of corporate interests and who can make money on things, what the what the materials cost and the labor to build these things. So I don't know that there's really any um, uh, 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 answer between the the, the struggle between business
1: and your heart. Thank you. Ron Hawkins, same question for you on housing.
5: When I was in Iraq, they set up trailers and basically you had two or three people in a a small modular trailer. For the homeless, that makes sense. You had a, a, a community shower and a community bathroom why we can't do that in the United States when we could do it in another country, I don't understand, I really don't. Uh, as far as the housing itself, as Raphael said, there's a lot of government regulations that get involved in that. There's a lot of interests that affect how that's done. You have uh, too, many, too many rules that are roadblocks. So that's what I look at. I think Lansing needs to make less rules and open things up so that uh, you know you can do what you need to do locally.
1: Thank you. We will move on to our next question. Did everyone get did everyone get an answer on housing? Okay then I I think our, our order is different AJ. I'm sorry. We should go to the next one. Next question then is on healthcare. Uh, what will you do to improve access to and affordability of healthcare? And we'll start with Lucal.
3: Oh, we need a public option. Um, we need to advocate for a public option. I'm not saying it has to be the only option. I think it needs to be in conjunction. If we can have schools that are a public school competing with private schools and charter schools, we need the same sort of system in our healthcare. We need to be able to have big. Big public pools that can bring prices down on drugs. Uh, we need to be able to have, you know, private insurance to compete against the, the public, um, you know, sort of socialism that um, gets thrown around there. Um, but you know, I the biggest thing is we need we need to advocate for a public option. Um, as far as you know, healthcare, I I I'm gonna definitely work on, on different aspects of healthcare in Michigan. And, and uh, you know, I'm a worker that has faced a number of injuries in the last couple of years and workman's comp is definitely something on that sort of medical side that um, I'd like to talk more about, but we just don't have the time. Um, but it, it's definitely related to medical.
1: Rafael, well, same question on healthcare.
4: Uh, yeah, this is not an easy one. I don't know that anybody has an answer in fact. and. Um... Uh, access and affordability. Uh, it seems to me like it's a, somewhat of a problem with competition in town here. If you try to get a doctor, you have Ascension, Borges, or you have Bronson. And the ACA, consolidated health care, uh, that's all facts. Uh, and that's federal matters, not necessarily state matters. Uh, when I think about the state doing anything for the citizens, we only have about $10 or $11 billion in the general, general fund to pay for things like this. And uh, I, don't, I just don't think there's enough money at the state level to, to provide access for everybody. So what we should probably do is take care of the folks at the bottom uh, with a percentage of those dollars. But those dollars have to come from somewhere. How are you gonna pay for it? So we need to reorganize uh, the state budget in a radical way if you wanna solve that problem. Um, and the state has just a ton of debt. So fixing this problem with state resources isn't going to come anytime
1: soon. And that's the unfortunate reality. Ron Hawkins, same question for you on healthcare.
5: I pretty much agree with what Raphael said. It's a it's a federal issue at this point. The funds in the state are limited. But I will say this: I think the whole healthcare model, insurance model, is wrong across the board. I I was in Japan several years. I could participate in their national health care for 100 dollars a month. And I know a lot's being made about people with. Pre-existing conditions. Simple solution: open up the federal employee health care plans to those individuals that are, that meet that criteria. You know, we didn't need this massive Obamacare to do that. So I, I think there's simple solutions, and there's very complicated. And it's a federal issue more than state. So when medic when the Medicaid hits, our budget's really going to be a problem.
1: I'm Anthony LaPiatra, Same question for you on
2: healthcare. What we need is universal healthcare, universal single payer healthcare, like virtually every other advanced country in the world already has, Japan being one of them. I know because, like Ron, I was in Japan for two years teaching English on, if this is Michigan, this is the main island of Japan. I was on the backside. I also agree that we need to make sure that workers' compensation is properly coordinated with healthcare. And it has some healthcare aspects and some that are definitely not healthcare. We need to be sure that to, we need to revive the national reports that were done every year as to many, how many of, of set of standards each state is meeting. Michigan can do that for itself. And in terms of access, that word again, locally, the state can at least have a role in trying to promote education and uh, avoiding healthcare deserts like the food deserts that we find in some areas. Thank you.
1: Move on to our next question on gun reform. Do you support gun reform in the state? If so, describe the top strategies you will promote. If not, explain your rationale. We'll begin with Rafael.
4: Uh, boy, you would think as a libertarian, I would be a big uh, Second Amendment pro-guns person, and I guess I am, uh, but I also recognize uh, problems in our local communities, particularly here in Kalamazoo with, with gun violence, and it's everywhere. Uh, I, I don't have an answer to that. Again, it seems like a, more of a federal matter, than, than, and if the state tries to clamp down with any gun regulation, it's just going to get sued and end up in the courts and, and, and head to the Supreme Court. Um, so, you know, there's a ton of gun regulation on the books already. Uh, uh, people are trying to solve this problem. And again, I think it's almost one of those unsolvable problems,
1: unfortunately. Thank you.
5: Thank you.
1: Ron Hawkins, same
5: question for you on gun reform. I, I think there's enough gun reform now. And we...
1: Ron, we're losing you a little bit there. Ron, we lost you for a little bit. It looks like your screen is. Fit. Why don't we go to, to John Anthony Pietra oh, yeah, here? We'll try to get Ron back. Uh, questions on gun reform. Yes.
5: Lost the whole meeting now.
2: Oh wait, I'm sorry. Is he back? Right.
5: No. I, well, the screen dropped off. I jeez. I
1: do not like all right it. let's try let's okay. let's go back to Ron Hawkins and question reform let's try that again
5: yeah i I believe in the second and fourth amendment i i I have a real problem with some of the red flag laws they they trample over individual rights. I think there's enough uh, gun regulation on on the books if we didn't form enforce it, and I think the biggest problem with your gun violence, you'll find that it's people who illegally have firearms. they're criminals. Deal with the criminal element in a criminal manner. Uh, quit, quit beating down legally, legal firearm owners. That's that's not right, and that's where it seems to go every time you talk about uh, more regulation of guns. So, that's my my position on that. I, I do believe in the Second Amendment, and I think we have the right to own firearms. Thank you,
1: John Anthony Lapietra, gun reform.
2: Yes. Well, my legal training has taught me that no right is absolute because all rights tend to come into conflict with each other. I think that the the language of the Second Amendment points us towards allowing responsible gun ownership, whether it's necessarily regulated in a militia specifically, literally, or not. I think we need to make sure that anyone who has a gun knows how to use it and how and when not to use it. I would also say that 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 extends particularly to those whom our society arms, to law enforcement officers and those in the military have to be held to higher standards, if anything.
1: Thank you. Luke Howell. Same question on like
3: gun reform. Yeah, um, I liked some of the, what John touched on there. Um, you know, with the limited time, I really want to talk about starting the conversation of mental health um, awareness and and firearms. Um, we have way too many people, way too many guns out there right now that are being turned upon themselves. Firearm suicide is huge. I wanted to make it a priority. If I get to Lansing, um, we need a plan. We need a program. We need to bring people to the table. Right side, left side, pro gun advocates and 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 gun right or pro gun advocates and and um uh, um anti gun people. I don't know what, what the word is. I'm sorry, but um, but right now what what we're seeing is you know uh, police officers that are responding to suicides. These officers then are desensitized from the violence. We are seeing the results on our streets with some of the way officers, you know, are responding to, to certain criminal, criminals. Right now, we, we just need, we need to start the conversation. It needs to be both sides working together at the table.
1: So we have time for one more question before we go to closing statements. We'll begin this one with Ron Hawkins. Tell me your top priority and what you would do about it in the first 90 days of the next legislative session.
5: The very first top priority is to, to eliminate the income tax for people who turn 80 years old. If they're not making that, uh, over $500,000, they shouldn't even bother to file income tax with this state. And then the second thing is do away with the retirement tax. We've been promised that over and over and over again. And then the third thing is go after go after the corruption in the probate court system. It's it's massive in this state and Nobody wants to touch it because of the money involved. So, is this a closing statement? Uh, no, closing statements come after this question. So
1: we'll hey,
5: come I've back. lost video, so I really don't know.
1: OK, we'll, we'll come back to you for closing statements. Right. John Anthony, John Anthony LaPietra, your top priority uh, if you are
2: elected to the State
1: House, what you do about it
2: in 90 days. Now, well, I've already mentioned sustainability, so I think I'll, I'll focus on that. I think we can't assume that everything everywhere will automatically grow for us. From now on we have to be have to know that what we are going to do can continue. I think one of my government careers was in transportation planning and I learned a law of transportation researchers that is basically the basically the field of dreams theory i called it if you build it if you build roads people will come to use it it won't actually fight any fight against congestion so we need to be able to build transportation infrastructure utilities with an eye towards towards durability and sustainability i think setting those as policies is a top priority for ongoing thank you
1: Kyle, okay, well, same question for you on your top priority.
3: Yeah, well, first one, first one's obvious. Uh, SB four thirty one. Uh, if there is anything to do, I, you know, uh, it's right now. It's it's kind of moving fast, and it's kind of scary. Um, beyond beyond the gravel pit and the local control and stripping our, our local zoning authorities' the ability to say no to things that that are detrimental to their community, I, I would have to say education. Um, we have seen teachers, you know, with their backs up against the wall, um, deciding whether or not they want to, you know, endanger their fellow coworkers. If they go back to work during the pandemic, they're teaching from home and trying to do their best with their their families and the communities. And we're losing them. We're losing teachers because of pay, because of benefits, because it is harder and harder. Um, there's more and more challenges and, and we need to support our teachers. We. We have to got to do something to attract the best back to our education system, and that's definitely one of my top priorities.
1: Rafael,
4: uh, yes, thank you. Um, you know how the sausage is made in Lansing is nobody here realistically can have a top priority, and the reason why is because the state's controlled by the governor, speaker of the house, and speaker of the senate. Without those three people, nothing gets done. Nothing comes out of committee. There's tons of committees. Ah, uh, your voice will get lost, particularly if you're a third party. So I guess my only priority is to educate uh, uh, the public and build a platform of of, of uh, knowledge that the two-party system is what's bad in the state. It's why nothing's getting done. Everybody else, Luke Howell, if he gets voted in as a Democrat, is literally a cog in the wheel. He'll sign on to legislation, uh, he'll vote yes or no, and that's about it. He really has no say and no influence. and And that's how it works. It's sad to say that, but uh, that that's thats my priority is to educate the people on how the sausage is really made. Uh, and with access to media, if, if elected, I would have that opportunity.
1: We will now move on to closing statements. Uh, each candidate will have two minutes
2: and we will begin with John Anthony Pietra. Well, so I get to start opening and closing both. Oh, well, oh. now so it goes. Thank you again. Gordon Evans, thank you to the League of Women Voters and Public Media Network and all the sponsors of this event. Michigan's constitution starts out by saying, all political power is inherent in the people. Government is instituted for their equal benefit, security, and protection. One thing good we can say about the crises we've had, the one we are most facing right now in COVID-19 and all the ones lining up behind it. They've shown us that we really are all essential to each other, or at least 99% of us are. So if we can keep that in mind and join together, we can take back our power from the politicians and lobbyists. We can build jobs and fiscal policies to help us do the work our communities need to do. We can build tax, justice, health, housing, and food systems that satisfy and meet the needs of the 99%. We can have good schools and education for all, prepare our citizens for the future. We can have sustainable, fairly funded transportation, infrastructure, and utilities. You can have protection for Michigan water, air, soil, and other public trusts from private greed, and countable, recountable, accountable, fair, and free elections. I am to work with you, people of the 36th district, to take back our power and our seat in the Michigan House. We need all need a voice, not just a few fat cats with fat checks. Thank you all very much. Kyle, you. you have two minutes for a closing statement.
3: First, um, I, I do want to close with a thank you to the League of Women Voters and everybody that um, made this possible tonight. Um, you know, having a, this opportunity to speak to the voters has been um, tremendous for me, and, and I thank you very much. Um, one thing that I'm kind of reflecting on is there's a lot of um, <clears throat> these questions we're, were pretty agreeable as, as, you know, four candidates running against an incumbent. Um, that incumbent, um, in my opinion, is... Is uh, not listened well enough to the voters. There's a lot of anger in this district and a lot of anger in this country. And we need to get to the point where we have um, politicians that are working for you. And, and a lot of times that's because they're so out of touch. And I wanna say that, you know, as a plumber, pipe fitter, HVACR guy, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular working man. I'm in houses every single day. And there's some houses that are asking me. Um, you know, for for quotes, for, for equipment that they can barely afford, and some people that have been able to take an extra check and say, hey, I want to buy this extra awesome equipment, and I'm seeing our split in our country right now, and it's, it's tearing me apart, and I'm passionate about doing something. I'm seeing the split and racial divide, and, and, and I'm passionate about doing something about it, not dividing us, but bringing us together, bringing the spirit of, of how we can work together um i grew up in a community where you know we were hit really hard by um the farm crisis in the 80s and and i was fortunate enough to work for both a, a republican senator and a democratic senator to help get them elected and and, and they were working together for farmers together and, and and we need that spirit again we need the gang of nine we need the gang of eight we need the gang of six whatever it is we need that in lansing as well we need to To stop this divide and start working together for everyone. And it's possible. Thank you. you. Raphael Wolf,
1: two minutes for your closing statement. Yes, hi. Again, thank you to
4: the sponsors. Uh, Thank you to all the viewers for uh, uh, tuning in and doing your part. Um, You know, politics, unfortunately, is a team sport. And I like to talk about reality and not fantasy. Um, You know, the two-party system is what's bad in America, and it's what's bad in the state, and it goes all the way down to the townships. Comstock Township, in fact, uh, not one Libertarian or Green or Independent is on the ballot down there, uh, and it's unfortunate. Uh, Again, party battles all the way to your doorstep. Uh, You know, we have problems in the state that no one person is going to solve, but voting in another Democrat and a Republican is also not going to solve it. We need power minimization not power maximization. It's we shouldn't have a winner take all. It should be winner take none. And we have multiple parties, including Greens and Independent and Constitution and whoever. There are many, many parties out there. Even if you don't like those parties, the fact that you could vote for somebody to minimize somebody else's power is a good thing. Um, um, and, and you could start by, by by doing that in this election. Uh, you know, talk like taking your power back. You you don't have any power. You know, that's why we're all here. <laughs> that's why we are running, to try to get some of that power. So uh, citizens don't have any power. Uh, that's what Black Lives Matter is all about. Uh, and, and that power uh, is being resisted on a daily basis. Uh, these discussions, uh, every election cycle talks about health care, jobs in the economy, infrastructure, education, many of those things that we talked here uh, about tonight. They're going to be talked about in two more years from now. And they were talked about 30, 40, 50 years ago, nobody's solving any problems. And that's why we need third party candidates in the race. So uh, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. And Ron Hawkins, your closing statement, two minutes.
5: Yeah, I'd like to thank the League of Women Voters for inviting me to this forum. I, I remind people that uh, I'm running as a writing candidate. That's unusual. So it, I would encourage you just go to my website. It's www.ronhawkins2020.com. I've laid myself out from from the very beginning of this race as to who I am, what I believe, what I think are the important issues. I've laid it all out there. I'm not going to repeat it on on air. Go look. Go look. You see, uh, if you go look at the pictures, you might think I'm an old white guy, but it might surprise you. I'm I'm fairly uh, understanding of what diversity is. So. Uh, Take that for whatever you want. Again, go to the website, look at it. I ask if, if you voted for me in the primary, please consider voting for me again. If you didn't vote for me, I'll ensure you I'm not a Republican, folks. I I I believe in the unions. I've been a union officer. I've been a union steward. I've been a union member. So I was endorsed by the uh, state, local, and municipal employees. I I want to dissuade people that I'm a Republican I'm not I never have been and never will be. So that's what I've got to say. Uh, if you want to make some history in Michigan vote for me write my name in And that's that's all I've got to say. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you Thank you candidates. And now Fran has some important voting information to offer in closing.
0: Thank you Gordon for moderating and AJ thank you for your help. Uh, Thank you to all the 63rd State House District candidates who participated this evening. Again, one more reminder to our viewers that recordings of this forum may not be used without the express written approval of the League of Women Voters. The League will only allow audio video of this event to be shared in its entirety except by the media reporting on the event. And now here's a here is election information for our viewers. Uh, The League of Women Voters guide with candidate information is available online at vote411.org. The print guide will be available starting this weekend. Uh, Distribution will start October 3rd. And so we will be doing that for the next many days. You can register to vote online if you have a Michigan driver's license or a state ID. This works only until October 19th. After that, you can register in person with your local city or township clerk. You need to bring proof of where you live. An example would be a utility bill. In-person voter registration works up to and on election day. For those of you who are already uh, registered, you can request an absentee ballot. Any Michigan voter may vote absentee. You can find the details about how to request an absentee ballot on vote411.org. If you have already requested an absentee ballot, your local city or township clerk will send you a ballot in late September. So I, I know many of you will have received them already. The League of Women Voters reminds you to complete your ballot and return it as soon as you can. A reminder, sign the outside of the envelope before you drop off or send in your absentee ballot. So just as an example, here is my envelope. There's the front, there's the back, there's the signature and date place. So please sign and date that before you send it in. Many cities and townships have secured drop boxes where you may deposit your absentee ballot or you may take it to your local clerk's office. If you send your ballot via US mail, please put it in the mail no later than October 19th to ensure that it arrives before 8 p.m. on election day. Election day, as you may know, is November 3rd. The polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. If you vote in person, please take precautions against COVID-19, wear your mask, wash your hands, use sanitizer, stay six feet from others whenever possible. We urge you to vote whether you vote absentee or vote in person. The message is your vote counts, so please vote. Thank you all for listening and participating in this forum.